Mama Machine. And we are, we are the Low Shooter Crusaders. Yeah, we messed it up again. Woohoo! <laughs> and guess what? We have Adrian Dillard, author of The Raven's Widow, one of my favorite books ever. And I'm sure is loving it as well. Yes, because I'm still reading it. Yep, yep. But still, yep. now we're understanding my love for the book. Yeah, now I do. Yeah, it's amazing. So how are you, Adrian? Seeing as how this is, what, the fourth time we've attempted this interview? <laughs> third, third, third. Third? All right. Third time. Third time. <laughs> hey, third time. No, fourth charm, time. Right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> you guys just couldn't get enough of me, so we uh, had to do it again. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not like we suck at stuff. It's like no. we're just, we love you. Yes. We want to have you back. Like all the time. All the time. Just, yeah. Yes. Yes. I totally believe it. Yep. Yeah. I think, you, I, think you sh- I think you should be a reoccurring guest at this point because we all know each other so well because we've had to chat nonstop to get this to work. So. She. She. she, she actually, she is like, a reoccurring guest. So. Who is that guy who is on like Conan O'Brien? He had like his sidekick. That was oh, like Cody. Oh God, that's I gonna can't suck. even remember his name, but oh. I should be that person. <laughs> I, I can picture him too. Oh yes. my God. I can't remember. Andy that. Richter. Yes, that's it. Yes. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know who that person. I don't know. I just have one thing, Amy. Can you please move the cursor of your mouse to a corner or something because right. it's constantly hitting Adrian's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> very, very disturbing. All right, none of you can see what actually is going on, but um, no, we're on but Skype we can. trying to record this. So Anahin and I can't really see. I can't see Anahin. All I see is Adrian, which is fine. Very lovely. Um, fresh face, loving it. But um, we can't seem to get it to work. So we've been giggling and talking and just randomly yeah, trying. Adrian can see us both. So yeah, which is all that matters. So you know, I mean, I don't look, look my best. Funny, but, you know, you guys look great. <laughs> oh, thank you. So <laughs> Raven's Widow. You know what I would love for the Raven's Widow? I would love for that to be a mini series. I've, I've got to tell you because it just, you know, uh, we talk about it all the time. So I know it's going to sound repetitive, but this book totally changed my opinion of Jane Boleyn. Um, I had been into Jane Boleyn for a while, and I was sick of the evil, you know, person that got portrayed all the time. And I remember asking a group, I don't know what group it was, hey, do you have any books about Jane Boleyn? And someone said, I think you actually said it. You were like, Raven's Widow, I wrote it. I'm like, good, I'm going to read it. I, I, I love she, it. I just I, she's a real person now. Yes. Yeah. She's not some background figure in other people's stories and she's not that conniving woman that history has taught us her to be. She's yep. a person now yep. with a voice. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Yes. That's why yes. I set out to write it. So I'm really, yeah. really glad I to it. hear that. So what yeah. made you decide to attack Jane Boleyn? Well, um, so th- a couple of things. First of all, I was actually telling Anaheen before we started about how she, of course, caught my Doctor Who uh, 
Easter egg. In yeah, the yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, I totally I, did. Yes. So, I think that's awesome. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a nerd. I love but, it. Um, so I, I have been interested in her as I was writing my first book and, you know, I read Julia Fox's biography about her and was really interested. And so I decided my wrote about her in Catherine Carey's book, I made her sympathetic, but I still didn't feel, I mean, I really didn't get a chance to kind of put her in the story too much. And I kind of felt like I it was sympathetic, but probably wasn't as far as I could go. <clears throat> so I um, picked the Jane, Jane uh, Boleyn book back up by Julia Fox, and I read it through. And at the time, I was at home. I had had a hysterectomy, and I was at home recovering and watching a lot of Doctor Who. But... <laughs> In the meantime, choice. this was this was in February, of course, the time of her execution anniversary. And so I was reading all these articles about her, and I really empathized with her because, you know, I only have one child, and so I'm extremely lucky to have him, mm-hmm. but the birth was such an ordeal you know I had to have this surgery and it ended my you know baby having uh experiences yeah and so I was kind of grappling with that and really empathizing with Jane and her what seems is an inability to have children Um, because as we know, bearing heirs was, was very important in the Tudor time period. And so there would have been a lot of pressure on her as, you know, being the wife of the only heir to the, the Boleyn lands. And so I was grappling with that and also digging deeper into her and her experiences. And it made me reflect upon, you know, my mom, my stepdad passed away. Um, and so like her experience and it was really traumatic how he died and yeah. her post-traumatic stress disorder. And I just started to see a lot of parallels between Jane and my mom and also me who was diagnosed with it after my birth experience and like the symptoms and kind of the way that our brains had worked as a result of those traumatic events. And I just decided, you know, I really need to explore her life and this story for my own healing and, you know, hopefully change perspective on her because I think that she is really a, a severely misunderstood person. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's well, not nice. a lot about her and um, you know, I can sympathize with you. I had to go through that at a young age and my first marriage was ending and all I kept thinking was, you know, I'm young and what if I start a relationship and they want to have kids? Now I can't have them. And I'm lucky. I've, you know, 
three, I call them three beautiful boys. One is my husband's from a previous relationship, but they're online. And I feel so lucky to have them. But, um, yeah, that's a very traumatic um, situation, and I found it very reflective. So attacking Jane and seeing her while you're dealing with what you're dealing was, I, I think, almost, you know, you could see the parallel between them, you know. And uh, the, way, the way you portrayed her was just with that more reflective and sympathetic tone. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank yeah, you. You, you totally did. So we all have weird pregnancy things. Yeah, we did. I was just thinking that, Anna, and I was thinking yeah. about your experience, too. I mean, we've all had some traumatic situations, and I think and that... Not even that, but, but several doctors assured me after my son was born that I was never uh, able to be pregnant ever again. Oh, my goodness. And seven years later, here's my daughter, so she's literally a miracle baby. We there had that also on the on on her card when she was there. Hello, Miracle Beat. Oh, right now. <laughs> I, I blame my mother-in-law <laughs> because my mother-in-law always wanted a daughter, and um, my husband was the her third child, and he really had to be a daughter. But uh, yeah, of course yeah. he was because he's my husband. Um, <laughs> and she died. In February uh, 2013, she died. And um, February 2014, I was pregnant with my daughter. Uh, To the day of her death was when I got pregnant. And when she came out, she was literally this this teensy copy of my (laughs) (laughs) mother-in-law. Isn't it funny how you can see it, too? Totally on the page. You can totally see it. But, um, yeah, I don't think, I think you bringing up Jane's experiences with not being able to have that air in the spare, which, by the way, side note, I've got three, so I think I'm good. You know, I'm ready. I'm good. I have an air in the spare. You do, too. Air in the spare. You got an air. We're all good. (laughs) We all stick together. We've we've got, we've stacked the cards, so we're good. (laughs) We won't get beheaded. Yeah, exactly. I think we're good. But um, I thank God we're living in this century with all the medical uh, inventions and stuff like that. So well, yeah. we, we will be able to keep our airs. Yeah. So well, yeah. one of the things I love is you por- portrayed um, Jane as really being a very protective of Anne Boleyn when another woman stepped in, you know, even though Henry Henry is just a slut but you know, sorry um, yes. yeah, he's, a, he's a prince young lady <laughs> sorry but he's a prince and he has princely needs oh, apparently <laughs> Jesus so I loved how you portrayed that because you know we've all seen the tutors I don't we all love the tutors I mean come on we know it doesn't portray oh, history as fine. it really happened but I'm sorry, the Duke of Suffolk, hello, hello, hello. But um, <laughs> um, I hated how she was portrayed in that, you know? Yeah. It really bothered me. And, to, and to, so then I watched that, then I read your book, and I'm like, yes, why can't – I mean, I know for entertainment value, it's better to portray her as this evil, conniving um, person – 
But again, I just, oh, I really loved it. And I think there's more to her. And as you've said, Anaheim, you know, we don't know a lot about her because there's yeah. really no record of her, which I find interesting because if we move it along, that situation with Catherine Howard, which I think as historians, the three of us, that boggle, you know, 2 a.m. when I can't fall asleep, that's one of the things that boggles my mind. Like, I really, I know she had to do what the Queen said, but she must have known after Anne Boleyn how that could really hurt her. And it, I just, I can't understand why she would be involved with it. No. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Um, you know, my thoughts on it is that, you know, I've done some research into the effects of trauma on the brain and reasoning and, um, you know, PTSD and how it affects the way that you reason and, yeah. and think yeah. about things and how it affects your behaviors. You know, um, it can make you impulsive and it can make you, you know, do things that maybe you wouldn't normally do or, um, you know, there's just all of these different ways that it affects the brain. And I think that I think that Jane was just in a really, really difficult position because, yeah. you know, even if she really wanted to to sort of tattle, if you will, on on Catherine, who would she have been able to go to? You know, yeah. the only person she could have conceivably gone to would have been uh, Thomas Cromwell, and he was dead. So, you know, we have That's to remember, difficult. yeah, like, we have to remember that when, you know, when the, the, the information about Catherine's past came to light, nobody wanted to tell the king. Like, nobody wanted to tell him because they were afraid of his reaction because, you know, of how much he adored her. And so, of course, they made poor Archbishop Cranmer do it. Oh, God. <laughs> but we do know how awful he was to messengers of bad news. So. Yes. That's where don't kill the messenger must have come into play. <laughs> yeah, but he liked to hit them. Yeah. yeah he liked to hit everyone. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and Queen Elizabeth did the same thing too. So like, oh, yeah. well, she was done for temper. But you know, you think about you think about Jane, who's who's still a widow. You know, she doesn't have the the protection of a man. And she's still um, married. You know, we, we kind of laugh about that now because we don't need protection from a man. But back then, yeah, you, did. you did. And yeah. so, you know, if even the men didn't want to go to Henry with this information, there is no way in hell, excuse my language, that oh, we all the time. Go for it. <laughs> Your excuse. We, 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 we have a bad mouth. Yeah, we have potty mouths. Don't yeah, worry I'm about sure. it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes. So I think that even if she wanted to get out of doing 
you know, whether she did it because of, you know, at the behest of Catherine, whether she did it because she felt bad for her, um, you know, we don't, we don't really know, but, but however she got involved, there was really no way that she could, and maybe she, she got involved and it really wasn't anything to begin with. And then it sort of spiraled out of control. And when she realized like, oh no, like this is not good. Then who was she going to tell? So I think she just kind of had to go along and hope for the best. Um, you know, and, and I don't think Catherine would have been persuaded once she kind of sort of started this course of, you know, finding hiding spots to meet up with Culpepper. I don't, I don't know that she could have been persuaded to, to not do that anymore, particularly by her maid. So I think she just went along hoped for the best and just hoped to God that she didn't get, you know, executed or punished as part of it because, you know, none of Anne Boleyn's maids were. The men were, but I think that they were all pretty well aware that that the men's deaths were really more political rather Mm -hmm. than actually – because they were guilty of any kind of, um, you know, sexual intimacy with, with Anne. And so, you know, I think she probably thought, well, I guess if the crap hits the fan, like, you know, I don't want that to happen, but I'm not going to be murdered for it, for doing my job, Mm -hmm. doing what the queen asked me to do. And, you know, unfortunately for her, that did not turn out to be the case. And unfortunately for Catherine, too. Yes. Whether or not, and there's debate, of course, whether or not Catherine willingly participated or she got into deep or whatever the case may be. Using blackmail. Yeah. Even if she did willingly, like, go along with everything she still did not deserve to be executed so um you know i think it was just a tragedy all around yeah but do we actually know she met him in secret spaces and do we know for sure i don't know and that you bring up we even know because everybody tells us all the time that Catherine met with culpepper in Castle Sesamus, as ever, what was it? Uh, oh, um, at least that doesn't exist. Was it in so, Scotland? No. It was near, in the yeah, near the, the English Scottish border. Oh my yeah. god, the one they said called Pontefract. Yes. Oh, yeah. Pontefract, yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, so people say they, 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 they met over there and stuff, but do we actually know they did? Or is well, this well, something that passed along during history and we just assume? It's so, true. In my research, I actually read the interrogations, the interrogations of Catherine yeah. and Culpepper and Jane, and mm-hmm. they do, I mean, they do say that they met. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. And as does, I, I read the interrogations also of a couple of her other ladies, mm-hmm. and it seems like it was a pretty open secret oh at court gosh. that they were meeting. So, yeah. Now, what happened? What happened in those meetings? Why they were meeting? 
That's all up for conjecture. But we do know they were meeting, um, you know, and actually there's this really interesting part in in Jane's uh, interrogation where she talks about how they waited, like, for the night watchman to leave. And her and Catherine went down to, like, unlock the the door so that Culpepper could like sneak up the stairs and then the guard like came back and surprised them Uh, so that piece is very true yeah yeah okay so that helps yeah yeah that does i agree Uh, yeah but but they could also be 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 construing a surprise party for henry (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yeah i don't know (laughs) i my personal thought i I think I think, and we don't know which Thomas Culpepper we're talking about because there were actually two Thomas Culpeppers. And back then, it was normal to name two kids the same name in case one died. So one of one of the Culpeppers I know uh, attacked and raped and a, a farmer. Yeah, a farmer's wife or a keeper's wife, and then her husband came to avenge it, and he he killed them. And Henry pardoned them for that. Yeah. So, but again, we're not sure which Culpepper that was. Now, if Culpepper found out about Catherine's past, that she wasn't at Chase, as all women of Henry could, should be, not Henry, but as women. And um, I just, I don't feel like there was a relationship there. And again, it, we have no proof either way. I feel like Culpepper was blackmailing Catherine. Uh, Anaheim, what do you think? I'm, I'm staying, I'm sticking with what I think, and that's that she was old enough to uh, know what had happened to Anne, and uh, nobody is that stupid um, to be married to Henry and uh, try to sneak around. Nobody is that stupid, right? Yeah. It's just. I don't get it. Even if you're 16, 17, or 18 year old, you're literally wed to the King of England, who has this huge temper, who throws tantrums around all the time. And, hits people. and then you try to sneak off with a boy? <laughs> no. No. Your cousin lost his head. No. Adrian, what do you think? You read the interrogations. What do you think? Yeah, you read them. I haven't. Well, I don't think she was being blackmailed. Okay. I think that Catherine, because she was actually supposed to marry Culpepper. Yes. And I think she kind of got swept up in the courtly love. Now, courtly love is not it's it's not sexually consummated. Mm-hmm, it's no. this like flirtation and it you know it comes from the Arthurian kind of thought, you yeah, know, the, the yeah. knight who comes and pays court to his lady and you know, and and that was very much a it, that that was the way things worked then. Yeah. You know, and and it was okay, like it was expected, yeah. and and I think that it was a courtly flirtation that went too far, and now whether or not they actually consummated the the relationship, I 
I don't, I don't believe that they did. I don't think no. that it went that far. <clears throat> but I do think that Catherine kind of, you know, it's this young, like, love yep. kind of. And it makes you feel really, really good. And it makes you sometimes do things that you just know you shouldn't do. Yeah. And I think in her mind, it was kind of like, well, we're not having sex. Exactly. So, you know, this is part of what's expected at court. And, you know, I'm being very charmed. And 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 it just got out of hand, you know. And then, of course, the king, you know, the people had the information about her past not came to light. I don't necessarily think that people would have looked as askance at what was going on with Culpepper as they did. I think it's that, you know, they had this perception of her as being a certain way. And then it comes out that she's meeting with Culpepper. And then they just said, well, if this, then that, and this is what's going on. And then there's Um, that letter, too. Right. And and I don't even know. I mean, I couldn't even venture to guess at the letter. Even if the letter did not, even if that did not even, you know, exist, yeah. exist I think, because as humans, we tend to see things very biased based mm-hmm. upon our experiences. Exactly. And you've got these men at court who think a certain way, and they think all women are just these horrible Lots who just, you know, like, that's our base nature. Which is so funny, because they all were. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I think they thought, oh, well, we've got this tawdry young woman here, and then we're hearing these stories about Culpepper, so obviously she must have, there must have been, you know, and, and so I think have Catherine not had the past that she had or that that information had never been revealed. Mm-hmm. I think we would have seen a much different result of this like courtly flirtation. Yeah. Um, and I think at the end of the day, we also have to look at the fact that, you know, Culpepper was much more, and I can't remember like how much older he was, but he definitely was more experienced yes. than Catherine yeah. was, particularly in, um, you know, the, the, the culture of being at court. Cause he had been at court a long time and she grew he up was very, top bearer, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that there's this power dynamic of him you know, like, I don't think he was blackmailing her, but I certainly think he could have been grooming her, taking advantage of the fact that, like, oh, I have the attention of the queen, you know, yeah. because in turn, that gets the attention of the king. And it just sort of, I think there was just so many things about it that could have been completely innocent, but then spun, spiraled out of control. Yeah. Which, I mean, we can see in modern day love stories, you you, you know, you, you're just, you're like, oh, I'm going to play along with this. And then it just gets out of control. We've all been there. We've all yeah. been there. But why do you think, 
so Jane, we know, obviously helped <clears throat> in some way with this. Um, why, and Jane wore widow's black for the rest of her short life after George was executed. So that's, I, th- I feel like that's almost flipping the bird at Henry. Like, I, you oh, yeah. killed him. I'm still mourning him. So F you. Why do you think Jane wasn't killed with the bullets? Why was she allowed to live? I think a lot of it was down to Cromwell's relationship with with Jane's father. Okay. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, I know that the fault of Anne and the men's death lies at the feet of Henry. Mm-hmm. But Cromwell is the man who made it happen. And he was definitely, uh, you know, making all the moves in the background, and he was finding all of this evidence and I say that and so at the you know while the fault belongs with Henry the person making most of the decisions about who is going to be wrapped up in this and who is going to take the fall was Cromwell and and I know there's a lot of debate over oh well is he is much to blame as we think he is and you know and I fully I I do I think that he sort of kind of instigated a lot of this stuff um you know but at the same time you had he had these very close ties to a lot of courtiers and one of them was um Jane's father Henry Parker Lord Morley mm-hmm. and their relationship is is kind of syncophatic uh morally is he is just very very much kind of a kiss ass (laughs) (laughs) cromwell and sending him books and dogs and (laughs) nobody sends me dogs i I was just gonna say that send me a dog And, and part of it is down to the I know, right? I think I sent him a greyhound, if I remember. Uh, I love the greyhound. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, I, love, I love them. Yeah, okay, sorry, go on. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and, and part of their relationship is down to the fact that both are, like, men of letters. Like, they both are really interested in education and reading and and these, like, esoteric teachings and philosophy. No. All of these things. No, no, because I'm, I've am i watched almost, say, the last season, every season of Supernatural. And if you just go to say to me, I don't know if any of you guys seen it, but the man How of letters is incredibly in where everything about witchcraft and warlocks and ghouls and and demons <laughs> where what the hell <laughs> I love supernatural seriously it's a great show I'm so going to start watching it I don't know how this connects with Jane Boleyn but <laughs> it's the man of letters besides yeah. that 
Well, you know what? Ackles is gorgeous, so. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you guys. I a ghoul, so there I, you go. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but I was the lucky <laughs> recipient of letters from my nieces. Like, yeah, I see that. Letter, and not only that, I love um, World War II planes and everything, and they both drew me um, planes. Yeah, and Isla uh, actually drew me a B-52 bomber, and I was like, nice. the art of letter writing, so now I'm going to write them back, but I know that has nothing to do with it. But I, I get it, and I think that, you know, my stance, and I have forever had this stance about Cromwell, I feel bad for Cromwell, because basically Henry was telling him, find evidence, and I think it came down to either Cromwell's head or Anne Boleyn's. And Cromwell was like, I think I need to keep this a little bit longer. Unfortunately, he didn't. But, you know, I I, I think a lot of the people who have been made um, out to be these evil characters, if we look a little deeper like you did with Jane Blinn, I think we're going to find more under the surface of it. But yeah, I think yeah, we find people. There are, yes. yes. I think that a lot of people are very shades of gray. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, no, and some are grayer than others. Um, and, you know, Sir Richard Rich is the grayest of all. <laughs> Wait, what do we worst. say? The name in itself is Richard, such a thing. Richard Rich is a bitch. Oh, my God. It's the worst <laughs> villain name. Yeah. And we, we keep meaning to do an episode on him and title it Richard Rich's Bitch. <laughs> that man. It's such a stupid name. Nobody is called Richard Rich. No, oh they are, God. apparently. Yeah, I know, but it's a stupid what? villain name. It is. It's yeah. terrible. It's terrible. The Joker. No, actually, it is. Yeah. It just, it, it, it sounds bumpers and entitled and it's just like I'm Perfect. rich which is yeah. what Richard <laughs> that you just explained Richard Rich <laughs> oh my god people listening to this are going to be like what where the hell is this supernatural they got Jane Boleyn Richard Rich what the Doctor <laughs> is a great nerd shooter episode <laughs> This Dude. is, we're bringing in, now if we could just bring in Star Trek, I would be totally on board, because, you know. That of, is so ridiculously easy, because someone must have worn a red shirt at some point. Exactly. <laughs> you you just, oh, I love it, Easter egg, boom, right there, I love it. There you go. <laughs> Star Trek, Supernatural, <laughs> Doctor Who. Yep, yep, we got it all right now. Somebody so. must have been the size of a hobbit. It's just that <laughs> Maybe Richard Rich. We also have World War II bombers in this episode, so that's good. We're covering that. But, um, it's like that SNL sketch with Stefan, and he's like, <laughs> The Lone Tuner Crusaders is the hottest new podcast in New York. It's got everything. It's yes. got Star Trek, it's got everything. A villain's named Richard Rich. The <laughs> bitch. All right, if all right, that's all right. happening, please send me a greyhound. Yes, please. If we, it's if we have, any, I just want a greyhound. Any fans out there, please send us dogs. <laughs> We're all over them. 
All right. So back to Jane Bullen. Poor Jane Bullen is not getting the recognition she needs. So, um, so we're talking about her with love and, and seeing her as a real person. So in yeah. that, we're already doing a good job. Exactly. So. And the book yeah. Raven's Widow. So and that's the whole point. Everyone needs to read this book because it's. Yeah. I don't know. I, as you know, amateur it already made me cry. So yes, and as yes. an amateur historian, it really I love, I love to make people cry. Uh, <laughs> no, you know where you know where you got me the snowdrops. Oh, oh, that killed me. And I can't say much because Anaheen will kill me. But the snowdrops, I was like, I had to put it down and just be like, why don't we have snowdrops here? I need snowdrops in my life. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You will find out. Just can yeah. Just the way. Oh, that just that got me. That really got me. Really hardcore. And it just again it humanized her. You know, we're not perfect. And I loved how that showed the love that she had for George. Because again, that's another thing that comes into play. And anyone starting off in Tudor you know, going down that rabbit hole, you know, they go with, oh, she hated her husband, George hated her. And it's always been, again, portrayed that way. And obviously it's not. I mean, why would she continue to wear widows uh, black if she hated her husband? I mean, after he was executed, if she hated him, I mean, I could see her being like, woohoo, give me bright yellow. Yeah. But I I wear black almost all the time. My husband isn't that. Yep. No, I'm wearing all black right now. My hu- you saw my husband. He is alive. So I'm no, wearing I'm festive gray. Jump on this, thinking we've murdered husbands. Please, we did not. <laughs> yes, but, but we'll now, be on a different podcast then. Not as expensive as it was back then. Exactly. So that yes. adds kind of an even extra layer to it, um, because you know a lot of some historians have claimed, well, she was wearing black because. That was like a signal of, you know, her wealth and because black dye was just so expensive and only the wealthy, really wealthy people wore true black. But she really wasn't wealthy. No, she had a fight for her, you know. Yeah. And even then, I mean, even when she did get the properties and, you know, that were part of her jointure and her annuities from Thomas Boleyn. I mean, even then, if you consider the fact that she had to maintain a a very specific presence at court, because, mm-hmm. you know, that even though George was executed, she was still allowed to retain her title as Viscountess. Mm-hmm. And you were expected to maintain a certain appearance. And that meant you had to have a certain number of servants. You had to maintain, you know, a certain, like, status with your clothing and your horses and your, you know, all of these other things. And so if you take into account the amount of money that she had to, you know, shell out in order Mm -hmm. to even be at court, plus the money that she would have had to pay, you know, for traveling expenses and, you know, paying her servants and all of these other things because she did get, 
you know, she got a little bit of a salary, but it wasn't much. It was no. mostly bouche no. of court. So she was fed and she was housed. Um, you know, but she didn't make a lot of money from her position. And so it would have cost a, a lot of money just, just to live. And so for her to be spending money on, you know, these expensive clothes, uh, in, in the expensive dye of black, um, and also what's really interesting is there are records in Prince Mary's, uh, household accounts that she was actually giving a black fabric to oh, him. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. So she, she gave fabric to, black fabric to Jane, um, for her and for her servants. Oh my word. Yeah. Sweet. So it's kind of an interesting, and I am not really sure what I think about, about it because in a way she's wearing these black clothes that are sort of honoring the memory of her dead husband, who is a traitor who's killed by Princess Mary's like father. Whoa, good point. And think of that. And Mary, you know, she she sort of saw Anne as her enemy. Yes. But did she also see the rest of the Boleyn family that way? Like, did she see George that way? You know, perhaps she saw Anne and her father that way, but maybe not George. You know, and she takes pity on Jane. I mean, it's just, it, it adds such an interesting layer because, you know, I don't really know why she did that, but it seems like they had a pretty good relationship um, as far as like, you know, she was giving gifts to, to Jane and um, <clears throat> she gave Jane a clock or maybe Jane gave her a clock. I think Jane gave her a clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they exchanged the gifts, but, you know, Mary was also really good friends with Jane's father. I and actually, after the executions of, uh, Anne and, and George, um, Jane's father went to visit Princess Mary. And the, the Princess Mary is kind of like her, her nurse or like the woman who kind of had charge of her lady okay. Shelton. Um, yeah. Her son was married to Jane's sister. Oh my, the connection. Yeah. Everything is always intertwined. It's it is. Just, yeah. But yeah. That's, or do you, do you think she hated the Boleyns? Cause George obviously played a very big role in getting Anne to become queen. And maybe she saw Jane as an innocent person that got wrapped up with the Boleyns and she had sympathy for her. Could have been. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been any of those. You know, it's just adds another interesting little little twist and layer. You know, but people are like, well, Jane must have just hated the Boleyns because she was friends with Princess Mary. And But, I mean, we have to realize that people were friends with their enemies all the time. Literally, court was like, court was like a snake that, that eats itself. 
Yeah. yeah. Like it literally, it just got one minute friends, the next moment enemies, and then friends, and then enemies, and then it's friends. It's like high school. Like I swear yeah, that's high school yeah. right there. Yeah, but, but yeah. deadlier. Yeah, much deadlier. With deadlier consequences, apparently. Right. So, But do you think, what was the reasoning behind killing Jane this time, but not the other maids. Do you think that was more a political move on Henry's part to, boom, wipe out the lens? She was already. I think it it could have been. But for me, I think it was personal. I think it was personal. I I think that he he was mad because, like, Jane made a fool out of Henry. Yeah. You know, not once, but twice. Yes. Yes. You know, she she barely escapes falling with the Boleyns, um, you know, and probably only by virtue of who her father was. And, um, you know, so because Jane was very much wrapped up in with the Boleyns. And, you know, like you said earlier, she helped Anne. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he was already probably irritated with her in the first place because she was kind of sticking her nose in business. And yep. she got – and not not to say that in a bad way because she – I I don't buy into this idea that she's, like, peeking through keyholes and this oh, God, gossip. No. And, I hate you that. Know, <clears throat> but in Henry's opinion – She's sticking her nose in his business, trying to get this woman, you know, kicked out of court for Anne. You know, and banned from court for a while. So she gets, yeah. So the king gets pissed off, for lack of a better word, and and exiles her from court. You know, so already she's proven that she's a thorn in his side because she is sort of stymieing this this flirtation that he has. And then, you know, then the Boleyn thing happens. And, and from other circumstantial evidence, we can see that her and Anne were close mm-hmm. and she was a confidant to Anne. And then here she goes again, the third time, and she, you know, <laughs> makes a fool out of it. And it's like one step too far from for him. He's and just I, like this woman. <laughs> and I think because he had just uh, had Margaret Paul executed, mm-hmm. yeah, couldn't that have been just like I did that now? Yeah, some 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 door opened up for me to kill this woman as well because why else, why would you kill Margaret Paul? I mean there was no reason whatsoever. There was no reason why b- besides having uh uh the the, the last, Yeah, last connection. Yeah. And no because there were all the other plantagenists but by killing her and that was not that far before uh Catherine and Jane got executed so maybe something in his mind switched like oh i can kill i can be happy this this yeah. old princess this lady this this grand woman yeah yeah, so he, he, yeah i, I think he live. got a power trip over that one mm-hmm. yeah because For me, how much thing- women did he have how much women of noble birth or anything 
did he have executed, actually? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. we know of. It's just, I can name three. Four. Yeah, we j- well, you know what? You, um, well, you, you can also bring, um, oh God, I love her to pieces, um, Anne of Askew. Mm-hmm. Um, she was executed under Henry's direction. Um, yeah, but she was not high-ranking nobility. That's no, she wasn't, this, but under his so authority. Normal, normal women, okay, mm-hmm. but royal women, noble women, mm-hmm. Anne, yeah. Margaret, Catherine, Catherine yeah. Jane, who else? I don't mm-hmm. know any other high-ranking women. Yeah, very true. Very true. I mean, do you know, Adrian? I, I, uh, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, you can name like a, a lot of obviously low-ranking women come to head too. I mean, he. I don't know. At some point, you know, his brain flipped and he became that tyrant. Um, you know, I, I believe his head injury had something to do with it, you know, a lot. I, and I know I hate blaming him on something like that. Maybe it was just a terrible person, too. You know? no, yeah, but seriously, I just had this breast reduction done seven weeks ago, almost. Tomorrow it's seven weeks. Yes. And uh, after uh, about ten days, I had this very tiny stitch that got in a little bit inflamed. Seriously, oh. I didn't need to have antibiotics or anything like that. It just got this teeny bit inflamed and I wanted to tear people's head off so imagine imagine him with this enormous festering wound on his leg which constantly had to be sliced open and pour gold flakes into it and drain it and stuff like that I had this teeny thingy it was really tiny yeah yeah I get it I can imagine that that you throw temper tantrums if you're in that much pain, pain on a daily basis. I mean, pain does something to you, and especially inflammation pain. That's a good point. I really didn't yeah. think about. And he had other health issues. I mean, he was like constipated all the time. Oh God, that is so stomach, documented. You know, inflamed, yeah. and you know. Yeah, and he probably had any number of other health problems that we don't really sure. know. Probably enlarged heart, high blood pressure. And... He had some yep. STDs, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He had to. STDs do, didn't exist back then. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> no. But we didn't know what they were, so I think no. you know his peepee could have been inflamed too. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, he had a lot of issues. <laughs> I don't know, but um, the man I mean, was in constant at pain. The so. He went to. I mean, there was a lot you couldn't execute. Mm-hmm. Um, mentally challenged people. I'm going to say it. back then it was you know crazy people, Bad and form. he flipped that law just so Jane could be executed. Yeah, that that for me is the key of believing that it was very her. Because, you know, and not just that, not just that, the thing for me that I think is is chilling is the fact that 
there's this law on the books. Mm-hmm. And so he knows that, like, if she's showing, you know, signs of insanity, it's against the law to to execute her. So he sends her down the river to John Russell's house. Yep. Um, sends his best physicians that basically they are going to 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 cure her. It's like oh, they're fattening the lamb for slaughter. Oh God! And and they do this thing. They get her out of the tower. They they are trying to like treat her and put her on the mend. So you had to think if you are Jane and and they're doing this for you, then then maybe it's giving you kind of like the sliver of hope. Like, okay, they're giving me this attention. They're sending their best physicians. If they're going to just execute me, why would they do that? So exactly. she's got these thoughts in her head of thinking like, okay, maybe, maybe if I can show myself amended, if I can show myself regretful, they won't execute me, right? And so they get her to where she's she's sturdy enough mentally that she can go back to the tower and then they decide to kill her regardless regardless of what the law says that law so if he was going to do that anyways why why send her and 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 put her in this household and send his physicians and treat her and and probably you know she she probably was given anything that she wanted in the hopes that she would be better exactly if yeah. you were just going to execute her anyways regardless of the law why would you do that uh, and it was like a form of mental torture to her mm-hmm. i am going to give you this sliver of hope and when you turn the bend and you think like it's okay I'm not going to die. Then I'm going to kill you anyway. Oh, my God. So it was literally like he purposefully just tortured her because he could. Oh, such and a fun me, man. It's like if you have any sliver of empathy for Henry VIII and then you hear this story about him, like if you – Make the connection. Understand what he was doing. Like, I have nothing for him. Like, I literally, I think he's one of the worst people ever. I think he was just a tyrant and Mm -hmm. a terrible person. And I do not understand this, like, fascinate. Like, I get the fascination, but this, like, attachment to him. Ew, no. He was really a trash human. He really oh, wow. was. He was a terrible king. He was a terrible husband. He was a terrible father. <laughs> he literally has no redeeming qualities. None. You know? None. He, I mean, imagine, imagine. He was very person, rich, though. Yeah. Like, if he was in modern times, I mean, oh. you know, you would be he, swiping he left on him. You know? <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. you know, ethnic, ethnically cleansing. No, like sorry, that, I, 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 I do agree. not agree. I That's do not agree. If really? he lived, if no, 
Because if he lived in this day and age, he wouldn't be in any pain. He wouldn't have gotten that oh, fat skin and point. stuff like that. He wouldn't hit his head while jousting. And if he had hit his head while jousting and that did cause something, there would have been medical assistance. So, no, I don't think that he would have become this enormous tyrant that he did. Besides that, no kingdom has, has such, no king in this world, I believe, has that much authority as they had during those times. You know what? This is why I love the, this podcast and the discussions because, you know, Adrian and I are going like, oh, evil dictator, like he'd be doing ethnic cleansing. And then Anahin brings up this great point. Modern times, he wouldn't be in, in pain. pain. He wouldn't have no. this, you know, pussing leg thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you're right. That's a really good point. And, and, and you couldn't that's be hurt anyone. So that's. No. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> that is. Yeah. If you're in a third world country, it's a little bit different. <laughs> We have drones for that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I would have loved to take a drone to him. Yep, one hundred percent. You I would mean, have been burned at the stake, huh? So, oh my! <laughs> no, he he would have thrived in America in modern times. I mean, I mean, Adrian, you and I both know that. Like, there would be people totally backing him. He can do no wrong. We've seen it happen. I won't go deep into it, but we've seen it happen. I've seen it happen, but just from the other side of the world. Exactly. <laughs> and we apologize for that, you know. And, but, uh, you know, I but, get why uh, you all laugh at us and everything. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's because Americans are weird. Sorry. Yeah, we are. We're totally yeah. weird. It's, it's, it's no biggie. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. We we are going to offend so many people, but that's why I love this podcast. That's <laughs> <laughs> great fun because we haven't done this for weeks. Two I weeks. Know. I know. I so, know. Oh God, we've been so busy in technical issues, and and because we are the lone tutor technical We're issues traders. Yeah. So you know what? I have I have some big news that I should throw in here. So. Oh, oh no. Um, again. I talked with some uh, T-shirt designers, uh, and they're called Marlowe Designs, and it's actually um, two women that I know, wife-wife <clears throat> team. They are amazing. Um, I should post it again. They made me a great T-shirt about Thomas More, where, you know, we got that saying, less is more. So I have less this great T-shirt of Thomas More saying, less is more. They have given. They have made me. Um, you know, the you quote. just want that. Yeah. You just want less is, and then the figure of Thomas More. That's exactly, and that, that's how, that's what I got. And then yeah. they they did a T-shirt. Um, Ideals are peaceful. History is violent. Because I feel like that's very. Um, that's she says this very in violent. every episode. I do. I do. But it's <laughs> true. Like if people who want to erase it, you, you can't. You can't erase it. I get it taking certain statues down and everything, but don't, don't block it out. We need to read about it. We need to learn about it. Unfortunately, we, we are that lovely statement of history repeats itself because we do, yeah, um, history doesn't do but they're amazing. And they're going to come up with some great t-shirt designs for the lone tutor crusader. So I'm really excited. That will be going up on our website. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. 
So we would love to I, I hope you know, I, I hope one will say I'm sorry we're having technical issues. We definitely need one that says that or one that says it's been a while but we're back. <laughs> <laughs> We've tried this a couple of times already. <laughs> yeah, we should have Adrian's face on it and say third time's a charm. <laughs> Oh, God, don't put my face on a T-shirt. All right, we'll put Raven's Widow on it and be like, third time's charm. And if you listen, you'll understand that. So, <laughs> so but you, so that's big news for us. So they're working on that, and I'm really excited. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lori and Shannon. You guys are awesome. Thrown I said, oh, my God, not again, because I, 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 was, I was already scared you blindsided me again. <laughs> I told you I was going to have that meeting. It was great. Shanna was amazing. Yeah, she really. Me this. I'm just so busy and tired. I know, I know. And my work schedule is so crazy, too. But we ended up doing this quick FaceTime. Well, it wasn't quick. It was like an hour. They're great. They come up with a lot of Patriots um, logos and everything. And, you know, unfortunately, the Patriots had a very bad game today. But whatever. Uh, but I'm psyched. So Lori and Shannon, thank you so much. Marlow Designs, check out their T-shirts. They make the custom make anything, so they're great. Um, but tell us about you. You're writing a new book. You just did. You um, uploaded a preview. So tell us about that. I was just watching so that. Yeah. This, <laughs> this novel um, picks up where uh, at the day after Anne Boleyn's execution. And it's told from a dual narrative, so from the perspective of Jane Seymour and her keeper of the jewels, Marjorie Horseman. And she was the also mistress of the wardrobe to Anne Boleyn. And um, so it's sort of kind of an upstairs, downstairs, like Mm. Tudor, uh, like Tudor Downton Abbey sort of thing. Where you have what's going on, you know, in the royal, you know, bedroom, basically, between Jane and the king and kind of her story. But at the same time, you're getting what's going on with the maids. So it's it's uh, Marjorie and the maids that kind of surround her and their stories. So you're seeing, you know, the 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 nobility and the servants, um, even though the servants are also kind of nobility. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, so there's just a lot of sort of parallels and also polarities between, Ooh. between Jane and Marjorie and their, their, personalities and the way that they the reasons for why they do things you know I'm very much of the opinion that uh what we see of Jane in the historical record is not a true vision of who she was because I think that her her personality and public persona is very much crafted as sort of a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that there was a yeah. lot more yeah. to her. I don't think that she was truly the meek person that she made herself out to be. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't think that she, 
you know, there's a perception that she, you know, walked through Anne Boleyn's blood to to get the throne. No, and, talking, you know, uh, Claire Ridgway pointed that out as well. That yeah. on did too. We simply don't know enough about her. No. Right. But definitely wasn't this meek person that she was portrayed to be. Much like Jane Boleyn, just not the person that is portrayed. No, but well, we don't know. And and to me, she always sounds a bit like the anti-Anne and the anti-Catherine. Yes. Because Henry had two opinionated wives. Yeah. Uh, Catherine by breeding and upbringing and, and uh, um, her parents and stuff like that. So she, I mean, yeah. she was brought up by a warrior queen. And then Anne being fierce and vocal and opinionated. and. Yeah. She's the anti. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think really. in public, in yeah. public, in public, was. yeah. In private, I don't. I actually think she had a lot more in common with with Anne Boleyn. Uh, you know, they were cousins, and I don't. Everybody think, were cousins. I think mm-hmm. Jane. I think it came as much of a shock to Jane as it did to everybody else that Henry had and beheaded. I don't think that that was what she set out to accomplish. And quite honestly, I don't think that she set out to accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, her her brothers pay, played a very, very big role yeah. And and I and is my own personal opinion that the relationship she she viewed the relationship with Henry as being sort of a stepping stone, mm-hmm. you know, on to greater things, but not necessarily the throne and not necessarily the execution of Anne. I I don't think anybody believed that that was going to happen, least mm-hmm. of all Jane Seymour. And why I think that is because who wants to marry a man who's, who's gonna going kill. to murder his wife? Yeah. No, I'm good. Nobody, nobody no. wants to do that. No, nope. you do have I'm some good. weird women in this world. Yeah, so, so. you have women that marry death row inmates and stuff well, like that. Well, it's true. That's true. But I, I think, based on what I've discovered about Jane, I, I don't think that she was that type at all. Yeah. And, and I don't think, I think in a way, you know, I like to take these women who've been sort of unfairly villainized, and I think that Anne Boleyn's supporters have mm. have sort of villainized her in a way that I don't think is wholly deserved. Um, you know, because it's really, really easy for us to demonize the other woman. Oh, we yeah. still do that. Definitely. So. We still do it, yeah. As somebody who's been in a position, <laughs> I can tell you. I get it. <laughs> very, very much. Saw the other woman with with much harsher point of view than I saw my significant other, and it's only through time that I've come to realize that maybe I mean I'm still not completely sold, but but perhaps <laughs> that that is some inherent misogyny that it is sort 100%. of grow up in, and that we see the other woman is the bad person. Yes. Well, the 
the significant other is an adult and choices and you know so and it's kind of ironic because I wrote this book as (laughs) I was going through my divorce oh boy (laughs) and it it very much influenced my portrayal of Jane and the marriage between her and Henry. And I think that it really helped me to sort of see her, you know, in a, in a different light than maybe I had before. Um, But yeah, so, so uh, anyways, I got a little off. No, I totally, I I totally get it. I mean, we still do it, it, you know, and every now and then I have to remind myself, hold on a minute. Yeah. Someone else is responsible. You can, don't right. go immediately for the woman. You know, right. the guy, the guy yeah. deserves some shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, no, sometimes yeah. the woman deserves shit as well. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> you know, we don't always, we don't always make the man responsible. We go after right. the other woman and, you know, but. Yeah. And, you know, I've had a lot of really good conversations with um, Olga Hughes. So she runs a website called Nerdalicious. Ooh. And I call Lovely. her my my feminist icon because yeah. she, especially when I was writing, you know, Jane, the Raven's Widow, um, mm-hmm. you know, I told her and she was like, she she said when I told her I was going to write a book about Jane, she got a little terrified because <laughs> <laughs> Please, please don't screw this up. And that was really what she told me. Um, you know, and, and so I I talked to her a lot about about Jane Boleyn and Jane Seymour. And she really sort of influenced kind of the way that I viewed these women and seeing, you know, the things that we take for granted growing up in a world that's inherently misogynist. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I really credit her. I call her my co-writer. <laughs> I do, because she just has influenced the, you know, the, the way that I portray these women, you know, in such a great way. And, uh, yeah, so so she's really awesome. And, um, you know, at the same time, then I'm, I wrote about Marjorie, um, because I think she's just really this fascinating character. And I am so intrigued by Anne Boleyn's bee necklace. We don't yeah. know what happened to it. We have no idea. Oh, my God, you're right. And yeah. so, um, well, truthfully, we don't even know if it actually existed or was something that was just, like, painted on a painting. We We don't even know. But it's just yeah. this, like, enigma and mystery. So it kind of serves as, like, we, it's called the MacGuffin. And the MacGuffin is the thing that kind of moves the story along. Mm-hmm. And so... The, Great. Now another thing for me to think about at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> what happened to the bee necklace? Did it exist? Ah. Think about the amber room. Yeah. Uh. So, so it kind of moves the story along, and we find out, like, maybe what happened to it, what could have happened to it. And it's really funny because literally, and actually I think Claire Ridgway posted about this, that, uh, uh, you know, the, the model, Bella Hadid, she wore a necklace that yeah, had yeah. TV that was like, you know, and of course it was like all over, you know, oh, God, yeah. and the fashion stuff. And I'm like, yes, 
Make this necklace popular so it's on my yeah. books. <laughs> and maybe, maybe they just find this bee necklace behind another parking garage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. never know. Really good point. You never know. Yeah. yeah, you never know. It's Indians. It's somebody's attic somewhere, and they got or behind a secret wall. Well, yeah. everybody has these 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 secret hiding places in yeah. houses, especially in the old houses and stuff like that. So, and on on the other side of my house, I mean, my house was built in 1750, uh, and uh, uh, the foundations are still 1750. I have at least one wall that is 1750, and then most of it. It's 18-something. But if you walk through the alley at the side of my house, there's just this wooden panel on my house. Wow. I don't know what's behind that. <laughs> you probably have the necklace. Anaheim's got the necklace. We solved it. But Open up that panel. I don't know what's behind it. Maybe there is the secret hiding place behind that wooden panel. I it's just a cover. probably a Dutch master portrait painted on the what other side it? of the panel. <laughs> yes. Or what, I what don't they, know. What so, do they call them? Priest cupboards where you hid the priest and everything? You probably had it. No, it's it's like yay high. So I don't think that a priest could push through. You have oh, to be a really, really tiny priest. Well, it but you never funny. know. You never Maybe know. a hat or something. I don't know. But this is the thing with old houses. You constantly, yeah. if if you try to remodel them and stuff, you find secret hiding places. Like a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was this guy uh, remodeling his house in Germany, and they found all this German paraphernalia from the Second World War behind. Yes, behind a, a wall, old newspapers and uh, uh, clothing and a, a, a few Nazi paraphernalia was just in a secret hiding place. So I need to find it. Yes, so then you have to come to Europe. Well, and it's happening, <laughs> don't worry. But can I break through a random wall is really the question. And you have that other historian, that girl that just found out how Anne's Book of Hours was constantly passed. Yes. Through generations to people to keep it safe. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. So we don't know if the bee necklace is real, but maybe, just maybe, it's in some old manor, in some old house. It's in a secret hiding space to keep it safe. People forget. Maybe they got executed and the next family just didn't know because you yeah. houses yeah. change you just own don't hands know. all the time. You don't know. Yeah, and if, uh, you know, they you know, were against the crown and the crown repossessed the house, land and whatever. I mean, you're right. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. So, But I think we should probably end it on that note with the, where was the bee necklace real or was it not? That's great. That is. I, I hope never it's real. Minds that. Wanna know. Oh, my I, God. I, I, I do hope it's it's real. The nerds of Tudor history need to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's my husband. Adrian, this has been <laughs> awesome. Yes. I really think we need to make you a part of the Lone Tutor Crusaders. You need to jump on here and there because we love you and you know we've learned I, so I, much. I, I really <laughs> hope we have sound. <laughs> I know you too. Oh my God, yes. So people, um, our first recording was great, but you could only yeah. hear Adrian and I, and then you, you know you would hear us saying, "Yes, Anahin, uh huh." But you couldn't hear it on a hint. So we couldn't publish that. And then 
what happened. Exactly. I don't know. We had Honestly, I think this one turned out better anyway. I, I, yeah, this, this one is yeah, better. I, I think this one's better. This so. one went deep. Like you said, we went everywhere. Stefan loves We know each other better by now. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So if you haven't read it, you you need to jump on Adrian Dillard's um, website. Her books are amazing. Raven, the Raven's Widow obviously jumps out at me. It's literally one of my favorite books. I've read it several times. And if you think you have an opinion about Jane Boleyn and you believe this evil person, please read this book. It's really going to make you think a little bit deeper. And I look forward to the next book. That yes, I think. Yeah. That's going to make yeah. me probably rethink my thoughts on Jane Seymour because she's my least favorite. I'm but, so yeah. interested in how you will write her and her yeah. character and everything. Yeah. So don't spoil. Don't say anything. I yeah. don't yeah. want no, to. No, 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 no. Yeah. So um, again, hopefully this one works out and we can pop it up in, in a good amount of time. And um, check out the website for uh, T-shirt designs, and please send us ideas. We definitely need them because my brain isn't always firing on all mechanisms. And, uh, <laughs> and please send me a greyhound. Yes, yes. We all want dogs sent to us, please. Thank yes. you. No, thank you. <laughs> all right, Adrian. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so I, much. I know. And for dealing with all the technical difficulties. And no problem. Nice. All right, guys, tune in for next week or the week after because we haven't hit a stride in our <laughs> recording. We will get there, we promise. So, Lone Tutor, we will become yeah. professional. So, all right, guys, love ya. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.